Childhood Cancer Perspective, and thank you once again for sticking with me through this journey on childhood cancer from the point of view of a parent and as siblings going through this uh, from a diagnosis to the treatments and to the unfortunate passing of a child as seen from our point of view, um, a view that maybe not too many um, understand, and I'm hoping that this podcast helps you relate a little bit to certain situations in a way that you can understand us better um, and, and maybe reach out to that person that's going through something and give them a little bit more comfort because you better understand possibly what they're going through or what they're, what they're feeling at any given time. Today, I wanted to talk about something that is, is probably going to be a very hard topic to discuss, but I feel like it's very necessary. Um, and it's a topic that definitely will bring out the emotions in anybody that you're speaking to because the pure word um, generates emotions and generates fears that I think are understandable, but at the same time, I want to talk about a side of it that, that is it's comforting in a sense, and that, and that word is hospice. Everybody, I think, understands it doesn't have to be cancer. It can be any type of uh, serious and terminal illness, but everybody understands what hospice care is, or even just end of life. It doesn't have to be by disease. Hospice care is always considered and is, is there theoretically because of somebody getting close to the end of life. Um, you know, in our case, obviously, we're talking about pediatric cancer. We're talking about um, our daughter and going through her treatments, going through all the phases of the treatment from chemos to radiations to high-dose chemo, stem cell transplants um, to shunt both surgeries and shunt revisions, having her port put in, removed, and also having um, a Hickman catheter placed so that she could have uh, certain other types of uh, medications put in during the later treatments. Going through all of this and then getting to a point that you hear from the doctor or the team that there's nothing more we can do. We have reached a level of, of, of care, we've reached a level of treatment, we've reached a level of, of our ideas and our knowledge bank and in the, in the ability to draw from clinical trials and everything, all of that spectrum, we've reached a point where there's nothing else we can do. The best thing that you can do, and this is one of the hardest things that you're going to hear as a parent, the best thing that you can do is go home and make memories. Go home and, and cherish the time that you have. And listen, at this point in time, when you go through this hospice care, your child could be, could be happy. They could be jumping around. They could be, they could be giggling and playing like, like there's nothing going on. However, their cancer in their body has reached a point that it is no longer responding to the treatments and no longer responding to um, what therapies that, that, you're, that you're throwing at throwing at them and throwing at the cancer and so therefore they reach a point where they say hey there's nothing more we can do it's the best time now to go home and to um, to make memories to enjoy the time you have to make them you know you know make them smile and and remember everything get a camera remember everything right now because unfortunately they're in that they're 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 in that stage where their body is beginning to reject all the treatments or their body is at the point where they're shutting down, it's no longer responding, now is the time to go home and be with your family. Now hospice care, again, like I said, is it's a scary word because you hear it and you think end of life, you think things are over, you think it's gonna happen quick, you think that, um, oh my God, you know, th this can't be true, but 
the reality of the situation is that hospice is very, very, the, the word is scary, but the hospice care in general is actually very comforting. Um, now, in our personal case, JC was put on hospice care after we were, she was, um, we were in Green Bay because she was having trouble breathing. <clears throat> she was having trouble getting th over something that she had contracted, some, you know, just some kind of respiratory um, virus. And she could not catch her breath. She was having a lot of trouble breathing, a lot of trouble kind of getting up the stuff that was, you know, you know keeping her from um, communicating with us. And so we were actually airlifted to Milwaukee. And it took us, the, you know, and we were not able to fly with her. She was in the in the, the helicopter, you know, with the doctors. They flew to Milwaukee. I came home, got my wife. We drove to Milwaukee. By the time we got there, they had her, you know, hooked up to everything in the ICU, and you know, they did all their stuff. And it was it wasn't soon. It wasn't too terribly long after that that we were pulled into a room, pulled into a room to show us her scans, to show us uh, uh, blood tests, and to show all of that to tell us there's nothing more we can do. We have done everything we can do. The stem cell transplant, like the stem cells work. She never developed graft-versus-host disease. Her blood cell counts came up really fast. Um, we were out of the hospital quicker than they had expected. Like she actually rebounded really well. Unfortunately, she had developed leptomeningeal disease, which, you know, you can look that up. She also, you know, she didn't develop hydrocephalus. It was, it was pressure in the brain. So it's kind of like that, but they ended up putting another shunt in, and so she had she had two to try to help keep the pressure down. And we got there, and after all of this, after everything we had gone through, they pull us into a room and say, "There's nothing more we can do. It is it's at the point where um, you need to just be with her. You just need to be with her and comfort her and 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 quote unquote make memories, which is." Normally speaking, making memories, that's a good thing to do, right? You always want to make memories. In the case of pediatric cancer, in the case of terminal illness, making memories means the end is coming. <clears throat> we were, of course, devastated by this news. And my wife actually got up and left the room. I stayed in there. I was angry. Um, I was I was not happy. I, my, my emotions for the devastation had not really come on to me. What had come on first was the anger angry that we were number one flown all the way to Milwaukee for to be told this and angry number two that essentially I felt like the doctors were giving up telling me there's nothing more you can do means you're giving up they told us we want to send you home in an ambulance because we feel like she's gonna code on the way home because that's where they that's how bad off they thought she was and at that point we said no we said we're not we're not going home in an ambulance we're not uh, we're not staying here because we are not going to have this. If this is the last time that she's going to, this is it. She's not going to see these this this room. This is not going to be her last vision. So we signed her out against medical advice. We signed her out. We said we'll sign the forms. We're taking her home. By the time we got home, we were already getting calls and having meetings and setting up hospice. We had in total, um, we had we had nurses come to do her vitals that we had equipment show up so that we could give her her feedings still because she was she was on NG feedings so we had equipment for that we had equipment come in to give her her medicines we had medicine shipped to us um, syringes by the thousands uh, for um, a 
saline cleanses for her heparin or for uh, her Hickman catheter as well as heparin locks so that we could we could we could do that properly um, moist the, the wipes the alcohol wipes we've got about a thousand of them still um, all of the supplies that we needed were shipped to our house and literally within a day and then any medications that she was on that was all transferred to the hospice team they handled everything so in a sense and when you look at it like this hospice care is a very scary thing because when you go on hospice care that means the end is near that means that they're expecting that you are going to pass soon or somebody's going to pass soon because there's no more medical care that can physically be done but nobody really looks at hospice care i think or at least from a my standpoint looks at that hospice care and sees the benefits and the benefits are simply that your child in this sense is going to be cared for in such a way that they their comfort level is of the utmost importance and while you're being in the hospital and you're there for long periods of stays they do really well at trying to keep you comfortable keep you happy keep you smiling their main standard is that all checking all those boxes making sure your vitals and levels are all the same checking you every hour um, you know pushing medications all this stuff that's their their job and that's commendable but hospice is meant for comfort hospice is, hospice is meant to make you feel comfortable make you not really forget about what's going on but be at peace what's hap with what's happening and give you a sense of just relief that you don't have to worry because when hospice came in like I said they took over the medications they took over uh, handling talking to the doctors they took over talking to any hospitals uh, all of that they basically take care of all of the paperwork the phone calls the headaches that you deal with as a cancer parent up until then they take it over it's actually like I said it's 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 really a comforting thing and the people that came in that did hospice care for us were absolutely incredible um, they were just the nicest and sweetest people on the planet and, and the reality is they told us they don't deal a lot with kids and it's very hard to deal with with kids being on hospice care um, because it's a child that is potentially on the verge of passing and they're not used to seeing that or used to dealing with it so they're you know they're obviously versed in what they do but dealing with a kid versus with an adult is, is a very different mindset to be in they were incredible with JC um, just they would talk to her they would explain everything in depth it was it was basically we're getting your permission to do things making her feel as if giving her that control that she so demanded and so deserved giving her that control at that moment making her feel safe um, we had you know we had her on an oxygen machine that they brought in when she was on hospice I had I had oxygen hoses running all over the house for her bedroom and for our bedroom and there was one that was out in the living room so that in this in the time that she felt like she her oxygen levels were dropping or it was harder for her to breathe we would put her on oxygen it would help her it would really calm her down um, and like I said we had all the drugs and feedings and everything was all set up for them and for us we had JC was on hospice care for 12 days she was on hospice hospice care for 12 days before she passed and the one thing that I can tell you is that the day or the evening that she passed um, 
we had to call the hospice nurse because that's what you do. You don't call 911. You don't call any of that. You call hospice. Everything is through them. And we had officially signed a DNR because we felt like at her stage at that point and the way her body was and the way she was recovering from things and all of that, that in the sense that that she did code or she did go into, you know, uh, heart failure or anything like that, that that it would be more peaceful for her to just pass away and go to sleep and pass away than it would be for them to try to revive her, potentially hurt her physically and bring her back to a position where she was essentially in a vegetative state. So we made a decision that the DNR was the best way to go and you know, we so when we when things happened um, we we called the hospice nurse they gave us some instructions and then we just we got her into her bed and we laid there with her and I went my wife went and got her sisters and they came in and they said they loved her and they said goodbye to her and um, then they couldn't physically stand there they they had to go and um, my wife and I stayed there with her until she passed and the entire time that we were there that nurse left us alone she sat in, in the room with us, but she sat on the floor. She left us alone. She allowed us to be with JC. She every now and again she would check her heartbeat when she it didn't seem like she was breathing too much, and you know she she was um, she was just there for us, and you know she would talk to us. And I remember that um, when JC finally took that last breath, I had my head on her chest when she did it. And she took that last breath, and I could hear her heart stop. I could feel it stop, and I knew she was gone. And she came over. The nurse came over, and she she checked, you know, with her stethoscope, and she said she's gone. And I think at that point, it was it was real up until then. But I think at that point, it really hit your that your child's heart has just stopped, and. You or her breathing has stopped, and she's done. She's no longer with us anymore physically. And I remember the nurse just, with both my wife and I were there, I remember that she just put her hand on our backs and rubbed our back and said, it's okay. She said, I'm sorry. You know, she, you know, and she was so strong and so beautiful. And we said, yeah. And my wife told her, she goes, just keep chasing those rainbows, baby. And and then for the next few hours, the nurse, you know, went out, you know, to our kitchen. And she was, you know, filling out all the papers. There's a lot of paperwork that goes on when somebody passes. And they had to fill out all the paperwork. And, you know, we had to make a decision on a funeral home and stuff like that. But I just remembered that the nurse... My wife went out there to speak to her and talk to her, and the nurse, the nurse was crying um, because they're real people too. And it proved so much in that moment the humility of of somebody that had no idea who Jace was, except as a patient. And when you're in the hospital for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days, you're you become a patient, you become a number. Yes, you will meet some amazing nurses and amazing people along the way that will that will personalize with you and will understand who you are and will know your likes and, and 
and will speak to you like a true person and not just a number but with hospice because they have a they have a focus and that's their focus is that person and they all spoke to her with such respect and dignity it's something that she so greatly deserved and they did everything they could to ensure that not only she was comfortable and she was safe and she was she was happy and understanding of everything that was going on but that her mother and I were too um, it was something that was truly although a terrible terrible experience for us and a terrible experience for any parent to to watch their child go through that to see their child take their last breath to see to listen and feel their heartbeat stop to have somebody there that doesn't know you that's not a family member that's not a friend that they don't know you but to treat you with such respect and to treat your entire situation with such dignity and give you the power that you just didn't feel like you ever had so my our personal and I apologize this is emotional probably one of the most emotional episodes to talk about something like this because you know what JC went through in those 12 days was nothing short of on her part heroic on the cancer side horrific but in those days I feel like she felt like she was in control she felt like she was safe she felt like she was at peace um, you know I tell the story often that that morning early early morning when she woke up the second time and um, she woke up that second time and she was having trouble breathing and we're holding the mask on her face to try to get her to breathe and try to get her to calm down and it's not anything that she can control I know that my wife and I were tired and probably frustrated not with her but just with everything and it was like you gotta calm down you gotta calm down just just breathe breathe and she's trying and she can't control what's happening but one of the things that sticks with me the most one of the things that that sticks with me the absolute most is that when I looked at her when she's sitting there you know breathing in and out almost like having an asthma attack if you want to compare it to that breathing in and out so hard having trouble I looked at her in her eyes and I said are you okay and she shook her head yes and to this day I believe because it was within minutes after that that she went into the sleep that deep sleep that she never came out of and the last thing that she did for me was that she shook her head yes that she was okay and I had asked her prior you know way prior to get off on a tangent I asked her way prior if she was scared and this was you know during this 12 days I think I said are you scared and she said no there were days you know I made videos you can see it in her face that she was in tears and I think it was because she was just over all of it just so tired of it but that moment for her to look at me and say I'm okay and look at me in my face and give me and I, and I 
I am convinced at this point, not being a super religious person, but really trying to understand, I am convinced at that point that either Jesus or an angel, somebody from our past, a guardian angel was there with us at that moment and was holding her hand, telling her it's okay. It's okay to let go. They're going to be okay. That moment was probably the hardest thing to hear her say that. But I was so proud, so proud of her for being so strong when we couldn't, being strong for us. And I think that during those 12 days, I think that hospice gave her a lot of that strength because it gave her the sense of I'm in control, the sense of everybody is here for me. Everybody is here to make sure I'm okay. The sense of I'm not just going to the doctor to get drug treatments and come home. I'm not just going to the to the hospital to stay for 40 days and, and then I have to come home and feel like shit. I'm going to go. These people are coming to my house, to my room, my beautiful brand new room. They're coming here to make sure I'm okay. They're coming here to check on me. And I think that made a lot of the difference. I think it made a huge impact on her life and a huge impact on her uh, her psyche and a huge impact on her spirit to know that these people, this amazing group of people was here for her for the first time in 520 days. People came to her and she didn't have to go to them. Hospice care is a very scary thing, and some families, when you know, we had another family that we followed that you know, um, their child actually had the same type of cancer as JC, and he was on hospice care for almost a year. Um, you know, JC was on hospice care for 12 days, and you know, I think we probably could have been on hospice care sooner, but there were still kind of glimmers of hope that you know we were going to find some other treatment or some other type of therapy that was going to help her and we we just never got to that point we tried uh, but like I said yeah this other family was a year on hospice care and they gradually the child gradually did, did really well in the beginning actually looked like he was thriving in the beginning of hospice care and I've said it before um, I actually said it recently too that sometimes that being at home and being around your family, being around, being in your own bed, around your own stuff, just being in your house. You know, JC, when we came home originally from the hospital, once she was done with her treatments, this was before hospice, she spent 90% of her days on the couch. We had a big, giant stuffed bear that's still in her room that we laid on the couch, and she would just lay there. And she would lay there and chill and watch TV or play on her phone and, and play with her cat. Like, that was her place. She just stayed there. And that... She recovered so quickly um, once we once we got her home versus how quickly she was recovering when we were just stuck in the hospital. It's it's so incredible what that home environment can do to your psychic or your psychic to your to your uh, your mindset and to all of that on the internal side 
it really correlates a lot, I think, with, with the physical, men the medical side, because you're not as stressed, you're more comfortable, you're relaxed, you're able to just just decompress, and it, it makes so much more of a difference, I think. And, you know, like, so JC did really well when she was at home, and this other child, he did really well in the beginning, and then all of the drugs and, and the uh, leptomeningeal, he had, the, I mean, the same type of side effects, they all started to catch up with him. And he started to, you know, show all the side effects of, of going through all of this and being on certain types of medications, the same things that we saw. And unfortunately, he ended up passing away. And it was, but it was, like I said, almost a year that he was on hospice. And it, there's no indication, like there's no right or wrong number when it comes to it. Hospice care is there when there's no more medical treatments that can be offered. Um, at that moment, and there's no, there's no more updates or no more treatments that can be done. You are, you've reached a limit of of everything that the doctors or even society has in their toolbox, and so they say, okay, it's, now it's time to go home, make memories, enjoy life the way that it is. You know, I think adults, I think they're saying, okay, well, we're on hospice care, we're going traveling, we're getting the hell out of here. Um, you know, we're not going to sit here and, and just and just wait for something to happen. And you know, some families do too. They take their kids and they go they go travel as much as they can. Um, unfortunately for us, you know, by the time we were put on hospice care, there was there was she wasn't safe to travel. There was no way we could do that. Um, had she been put on hospice care six months earlier and that was it, I think we probably would have traveled. We would have gone to Disney or something like that with her, which we had planned to do. The year that she was diagnosed, and then COVID, you know, crapped all over those plans too. So, you know, I think you look at hospice care as a very scary thing, but I think hospice care can also be a very comforting thing. And I want you to take that away from this episode, knowing that if you're ever in a position like this, or you're listening to this podcast as a parent that has a child going through this, and you hear the words, it's you know what, it's time that you need to go home and make memories. It's you know we're gonna we're gonna set you up with hospice care. Don't be scared of it. It's not a fun thing to talk about. Um, it's not something that anybody wants to hear. It's not something that anybody wants to plan for. But at the same time, be be open. Be open to the possibilities. And when I say the possibilities, I mean number one, hospice care doesn't have a time limit. There's like I said, for us it was 12 days. For this other family, it was it was a year. Um, for some people, it can be more than that. Some people, it can be less than that. There's no number. So when someone comes in and says, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to sign you know your child up, or we're gonna we're gonna sign you into hospice care, sign over everything to hospice care," that doesn't mean that that you need to say, "Okay, well that's the end." It just means now it's time to really really get in those memories, take a time, take a vacation. Um, you know, bring family in from out of town, you know, have a party, whatever, but also just understand the possibilities, what that means in the positive side is that that means you can stop with the scary trips to the hospital, you can stop with the scary trips to the doctor, the scary phone calls, the testing every day, the, the blood tests, all this stuff, it's done. Now, JC did have to have blood tests done when she was in hospice, but they took it all from her port, so she never had to have any needle sticks or anything like that. And, you know, and that was just for, um, they would test everything so they knew how to properly measure her medications that they would send out. 
but what I'm I guess what it comes down to is just you know when you hear those words yes it's okay to be scared because it is a scary thing but don't close your mind to it just be open to what that means because it yes it does it is set up for end of life but it can be a positive thing in the sense that now you can just spend that time with the child not worrying not worrying about the next test not worrying about the next MRI the next CT what the next blood test is going to show yes they've done everything they can and right then and there there may not be anything but maybe something comes up while they're in hospice you you ha you can't you can't look at it as closure you have to look at it as another step and hospice care can be an extremely comforting time because everything then is taken off of your shoulders all that weight that you've carried and all the weight you have had to struggle moving around every day for their care you're still in charge but everything is handed over to the hospice team and they handle everything and it does take the definite um, a weight off of you and it takes it gives you an ability to just breathe and just focus on them and that's the point so if you hear those words I understand if you're scared and it, it makes sense and I can understand if you're gonna if you're angry too because when I when I heard nothing more could be done I was angry but I didn't understand hospice care because I had never been a part of it I never had a family member that was on hospice care so I didn't understand any of it but you, know, you just hear it and you're scared what I'm telling you be open be open to the possibilities of just being able to then focus on your child and your family without worrying about anything else without all the deliveries without the drug med the medication renewals and, and re prescriptions and um, all that stuff it's all handled by them it takes all that weight and burden gives it to somebody else and allows you to focus so that's going to be the episode for today hospice care can be a scary word but it can be very comforting and it can also give you the ability to really go out there and make some amazing memories and do it like you I mean we always I mean I you live like there's no tomorrow you're supposed to live like there's no tomorrow anyway with no regrets uh, you're not supposed to live with worrying about what you said yesterday or what you might do you're supposed to just live for the day so live for the day take your child take your take them out do something fun do something amazing bring somebody to them that makes them feel incredible um, you know bring family in go to a movie just do something that they love to do and just make it all about them finally no more hey we've got to go to the doctor tomorrow it's time for another needle stick it's a no none of that just make everything about them it's an incredible way to just be with them and just spend that time with them and just and just enjoy enjoy your the moments enjoy life so I apologize sometimes I do ramble I have been told that I ramble my bad that's how I can get 30 minutes out of this podcast I hope everybody listens the whole entire time um, I do intend to keep these up. I'm hoping to get an episode. I keep saying it, but it's very hard to nail people down. I'm hoping to get an episode out soon where I can have my daughter in here with me, and she'll be on camera, and she can just kind of talk about her experiences um, just in general. I think we'll just have a conversation, and you'll get it from a, a child's point of view that's going through it. Um, and hopefully I'll do another episode with my wife as well. We can do the same thing, just kind of come in here and, and speak about our relationship, to speak about our our journey or shit show as my wife will call it speak about you know having other kids and them going through their milestones and things like that 
But that's coming soon, so please stay tuned. Please continue to share, like, listen to this podcast. Give us feedback. Give me feedback. If there's something you want to hear me talk about, if you've always had a question about something, now's the time to ask. Thank you very much, everybody, for sticking with me this long, and I'll see you next week.